Yeah, so uh, they said, come up to the bridge and just replace one of the officers. So I'm hiding down here until whatever that is, is gone. Yeah, but was it one of the night shift guys? No, no, it was Data. Ooh. They said, we need you to sit in Data's chair for like 10 minutes. What colour shirt you got on today? Uh, I'm wearing I'm wearing red. Oh, that's yeah. a bad idea. I mean... Well, it's a, you always know something's up when your blue one's not there. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I'll just put this on, just for the day. We've lost it in the laundry. Why do you even yeah. need laundry? You just make a new one every time. Yeah. I know that. I don't know. Jensen's got a cupboard full of them. Yeah, so anyway, I've got Heskell to go. Uh, hopefully we'll see him tomorrow. So he's... Well, it's his first birthday, so it's also his uh, round. Yeah, and uh, in a in a in a world where we don't have money, that that means something much more to your friends. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get out of this chair. Hold on, hold on a minute. Do you, look. Do you see that out the window? Uh, what? N- nothing. Yeah, it's a weird thing to say in deep space, but has it gone dark? Have we stopped moving? Is no, oh, hold on a minute. Oh yeah, Gaining, can I get another one, mate? Yeah. Uh... Any chance that you, being an otherworldly sort of creature, could explain to us what's happening? No. Oh. Well, if it was serious, I assume we'd go to at least yellow alert. Yeah. Uh... Surely, surely, yeah. if we were in extreme danger and they had no idea what was going on there would at least be a shipwide PA announcement right? Yeah there'd be something you'd think Weird Yeah Just have a I'll have a I'll have a I'll have a Romulan ale and just on the off chance something bad has gone on can I get a shot of scotch as well? Yeah Uh, and put it on your man's tab Yeah Nobody else is rushing out of here That no. Oh, well. Must all be right. fine. Yeah, be alright. Podcasts. A Frontier. These are the voyages of Mark and Ellie. Our ongoing mission to explore strange new episodes, to seek out new jokes and new references. To split infinitives that no one has split before. Right. So now that, unlike last episode, I've now actually this is the first time we've spoke, Mark, since you've you've heard my clearly not copyright legal new opening. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. We've got like 20 listeners now, so if anybody grasses us up to Paramount, we'll know who it was. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. 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 20 uh, regular listeners. Yeah, according to the, the back end. That's frightening. Yeah. My mate Ivan said he listens to this. Never watched an episode of Star Trek in his life. <laughs> he just likes hearing us talk. Oh, thanks, uh, Ivan. Yeah. Well, I hope the new format isn't too jarring for you. Yeah, if if it is, let us know because we we usually do a like half hour conversation before where we just talk about movie trailers. Yeah, which in fairness we should probably record as a secondary podcast for the Patreon. Yeah, uh, but 
Yeah, yeah. yeah, but like we are still at the point where this can be a democracy. Yeah. If there's anything that you don't like about this and 52% of you vote for us to change it, I'm sure <laughs> that by the time we get to season 7 we will we will have seen it. Like we 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 will have, we we will have brought that in. You know, hopefully it only take about 5 years. Something I want to bring up officially as something aboard this is um we are never going to do Picard. No. Okay? No, I saw the latest Red Letter Media review and Mike from Red Letter Media said Picard is so bad, it's ruined Star Trek The Next Generation for him. So I'm just never going to watch it. Okay? (laughs) Just putting that out there now. It's not happening. No. So how how are you doing? Um, I'm doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) There's not a lot to report. I had my birthday at the weekend and I can't remember much of it. Happy birthday. Yeah. Uh, as, uh, as, yeah, I got very drunk on the South Bank, and it was nice and very pleasant. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, had a lovely time. And how you been? Uh, yeah, I've been pretty well. Uh, my, we we had the bank holiday weekend off, Laura and I, so we watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy, hey. theatrical editions, because, and this is going to lose us listeners, but the extended editions are a pile of shit. And I, I, they're the reason why I didn't see Lord of the Rings until I was in my thirties because every time I tried was with the extended editions. <laughs> and uh, I mean, to be fair, like good, good play to them because what you do lose in like editing and storytelling efficiency, you do make up for in absolutely fucking pointless reveals uh, about the characters that don't seem to matter. So I can see why they've done it, and it wasn't just because you know New Line Cinema saw the like just got dollar signs in their eyes. They um, interesting thing. Um, there's a bit where like um, the in the paths of the dead in the third Lord of the Rings uh, movie, where like the skulls fall down, um, and they realised they didn't have that shot. So when they were like making the extended versions from the extras, so Peter Jackson had to like go into a room and film a bunch of like fake skulls forming down. That was a week after he won the Oscar for best director. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's already won the Oscar, and he goes, "Oh, I've not finished it yet." Uh, bollocks. <laughs> Fair play. Yeah, you're right. You, I did think there was a distinct lack of skulls. <laughs> I was watching that four-hour-long film going, you know what this is really missing? Some skulls falling down in a place where everyone is a ghost. P- Peter, Peter Jackson, like, and I love the Lord of the Rings movies, but I think he took the long lesson, the wrong lesson away from them. All I'm going to say is if you make a King Kong movie, I better see King Kong in the first fucking hour, right? If you don't give me Kong in the first hour, I feel like you've, you've misunderstood the point of your film. Yeah, I get maybe... I've I've never seen Peter Jackson's King Kong. Oh, it it it, it takes um, it takes her like fucking ten minutes to get on the boat, um, and it's like I don't care about the characterization of any of these people, right? The only character I care about is the giant monkey, and his motivations are clear, right? <laughs> I fancy this woman. I don't want to go to New York. What more do you need to know about? me yeah what more is my motivation exactly I don't like T-Rexes yeah That's it. who does Three. well I do but like at an abstract level I won't want one here 
when you write a character, you should always come up with three very distinct traits for them. And I feel like they've nailed that with uh, Jonathan Kong, <laughs> which is his real name. Well, actually, he used to be Jonathan Habsburg, but they changed the surname to Kong uh, during World War II. So that they... <laughs> should we talk about this episode of Star Trek? Yeah. Um, which this is this is this is I this is a somewhat difficult episode to talk about because this episode is is for a significant portion literally about nothing. Yeah, like in the in the literal sense. Yeah, they find a, a nothing void, and then they get trapped in it. I kind of have, yeah. But I see what you're getting at because on a <laughs> on a kind of what's the word I'm looking for here? Like the the opposing thing about that. Like, like yeah, the interesting yeah. thing about it is that this episode about nothing has given me more to think about. Than most other episodes, yeah. I have a lot to talk about. I have a lot of notes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so there's a, there's a, basically they find a hole in space. Yeah, and Wesley's like, well, if it's a proper, a, an ordinary hole in space, we wouldn't be able to see what's on the other side. And someone's like, that's actually a good point, Wesley. Well, no, that's not what happens. What happens is that <laughs> Commander Riker gives him a very patronising pat on the shoulder and a smile, yeah. and then Picard gives a little smirk. And it's not made immediately apparent whether they think he's made a good point or just a really shit point. It's what 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 because he hasn't been to like the academy yet. What we he doesn't know is like space hole recognition. It's like day one orientation. Where are the toilets? Sun Tzu. Yeah. Space holes. (laughs) (laughs) Big space head. Day twelve. Yeah. Yeah. That coming handy. (laughs) But yeah, because a whole. You can't have a hole in nothing. By its very definition, it would be a hole created by the absence of space inside of another thing. So if there was a big ring around the hole, that would make sense. But this this hole doesn't make any sense. Which, it turns out, that hole doesn't make a lick of sense. No, it doesn't. It's weird. It's like weird in like the proper Star Trek good way of being weird. Where it's yeah. like we've stumbled across a thing, we've got nothing else to do. It's interesting. It's piqued our interest. Let's let's sit here and like try and suss it out, and then then things get serious. Well, this is I when I was watching it with Laura, I remember turning to her and saying, "This is like perfect Star Trek because they encounter a problem that they have no idea how to fix." And there doesn't seem to be that many variables. So all they do is just investigate all of the possible variables until a big space head appears and tells them what's happening. Yeah, that's classic track. Yeah. I haven't, I've got to say, I've never felt sorrier for. Because there's a moment in this episode where, for no reason, Wesley Crusher disappears from the bridge and is replaced by a random black guy in a red shirt. And I have never felt sorrier for a character. I looked him up, his name's Haskell. He does get a good couple of lines. Yeah, he and does. he is now forever immortalised in meme form. <laughs> if you haven't watched the episode, but you are sort of up to date on your Star Trek memes, uh, Haskell is the guy who's looking at his screen and then almost has like a seizure and then puts his hands to his face in like a Home Alone fashion, shakes and then goes down on the ground and dies. 
Yeah. You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You'll you've seen that. You've seen that bit. Um He's he's great because there's a moment in this episode where all of the power's been shut off on the Enterprise. And he's sat looking at a black screen and he's clearly doing that thing like that you do as an employee when like there's been like a power cut where it's like at the moment I'm being paid to do nothing. And it's other people's job to fix that, so I'm just gonna sit here. And then the moment the power comes back on, he perks up as if he's been switched back on. And it's like, oh, just <laughs> ready to work. Um, but yep. yeah, they do. Like, I like what you said. Like, it's the variables thing of like, right, we're in a black space. We're trying to go forward. We don't seem to be moving. So let's drop a beat. Like, first of all, they send some probes in. They disappear. Then they get enveloped. Then they're like, okay, well, what if we drop a beacon and head in a straight line away from it? And after they've been heading away from it a bit, the beacon turns up in front of them. So they realise they're in a wraparound, like asteroids. And then, like, then the fi- it's like they're basically in a lab. Is the what they realise is they're being tested for how they like deal with different stimuli. And like, there's like, oh, look, I'll put a, a Romulan ship in. I'll put a Starfleet ship in. I'll see what you do with that. And they've been Worf and Riker over, and the layout of the ship doesn't make sense, and this makes Worf irrationally angry. <laughs> Talking about Worf's anger, so the. They do a sort of Indiana Jones cold open with this episode. Uh, oh, yeah. And in media res, as as they say, with mm-hmm. Worf and Riker apparently off on some planet. The first thing, well, actually, the first thing we see is Picard walks out of the ready room, uh, looks around, as if, you know, that way that sometimes when you stand up off the couch and you go to the kitchen and you can't remember why you're there? Yeah. So Picard does that. And as it's Sir Patrick Stewart, he does it exceptionally well. Then he goes to see Councillor Troy, great Troy episode, and uh, she asks him if he's worried about Worf and Riker. Cut to Worf and Riker in the middle of a battle zone, uh, running around, and it's like it's like an industrial. Uh, like post-industrial landscape, it's slightly overgrown. Somebody's put a giant map painting of a mountain behind them. Uh, yeah, and I was like, <laughs> that didn't make the jump to HD well. It seems it seems <laughs> weird that Picard would be worried about them just playing the Crystal Maze. I don't understand what his issue is. Yeah, and that's that's the big reveal is it's just Wolf's morning exercises yeah. as he likes to murder a couple of people on the holodeck. But he gets into such a rage that he almost attacks Commander Riker. Which, of course, yeah. then raises the question, is Worf incapable of distinguishing friend from foe from during an intense fight? And if so, is it a good idea to make him the chief of security? <laughs> yeah, I feel like this is like, it's like, they, they, it's that stiff thing of them not really having certain things down. Because, like, he's like in some sort of, like, Wolverine-style berserker rage. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, no, he's going to kill a bunch of people. It's like, well, no, probably not. No, like if he was, if he was going to do that, he probably wouldn't have invited you. <laughs> do you think this is worth? Because I, I have like a, I have a weird social problem where I don't, and I think I've spoken about it on this podcast before. I don't like inviting people to do things that I enjoy. Like I would rather just do them alone. And it's not that I don't enjoy other people's company. Far from it. I do enjoy other people's company. Otherwise, I would record this podcast by myself. But it's more a thing of, oh, but I've got these plans and I'm going to go and do it. And then if you don't like it, I'll feel really guilty because why? 
because I, I really put upon myself that it's my job to make sure that you have a good time if I have invited you out for a thing. And uh, that's that's why I don't invite my friends when I go out murdering. <laughs> Just in case. But do you do you think that Worf... Because I, I originally thought... Because Troy says to Picard, is it... Are you worried about Klingon psychology or something? Yeah. So I was pretty sure that this was going to be a Klingon episode. I thought, again, I'm not a Star Trek expert. I'm learning as we go. I thought this was going to be like a Klingon pawn far situation. So, oh, if you're unaware, uh, the Vulcans during their is it? It's essentially during their puberty, and then every now and again, seven years, every seven they, years, when they're in, when they are, um, they they're going to heat. Yeah, basically, they've been called to mate, and they and they go mental. Yeah, and they can either, and the only way to blow up that off is to either successfully have sex or fight someone to the death. The two, the two options. And Spock fights Kirk to the death in the original Star Trek. But, yeah, if you're, you've got a problem with Star Trek being too woke, let me repeat that for you. Spock enters a state of heat where he desperately needs to fuck. But instead of fucking, he takes out his physical energy on his best friend, James T. Kirk. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, Star Trek's gotten too horny now. And it, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have, a, I have a question about Worf's holodeck thing. Is the two aliens that Worf is fighting, the two creatures, are they supposed to be aliens that Worf has designed poorly? Or does Worf really hate, like, get... It's the thing that makes Worf the most aggressive, um like 80s and 90s Doctor Who villain design and no. such he just ported a couple of those in that's just what Worf thinks Italians look like because <laughs> there's a skull face guy yeah. who's got like black I like the skull face guy I thought it was a fun design yeah but they've got it's fun design but they're like little black patches over the eyes rather than like any depth to them uh, and like I'm just saying I think that he would gone with an actual skull face being Worf. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I thought we were getting a Klingon episode. And then we get Worf's... And then they, and then it does feel like this was the episode where it's like, we're going to explain what Worf's job is as tactical officer. And Worf's job as tactical officer seems to be shoot it. Why don't we shoot? And then he's like, uh, he's like, he tells like, oh, there's a Klingon story of like some black thing in space that absorbs ships. And it would have been really nice to tie that together and be like, oh, no, those Klingon legends are based on a real thing. But it's clear from this creature's like later on interactions with the crew that he's never met a corporeal life form before. Yeah. So it's not that. The Klingon ships of of the olden days were being destroyed and eaten by a completely different black form in space. <laughs> I enjoyed uh, his tactical decisions, which, as you said, were number one, shoot it. And then when Picard says, no, let's not do that, Worf instead suggests send a probe which is just shooting it but slightly slower uh, this is this is actually one of the episodes that I realise where you run into like the, 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 the issues with like space exploration like, they've got a lot of cool technology but like you send a probe into like the void of nothing and it doesn't come back right? Yeah. Well you don't know if it's going forward in the void of nothing or anything like that. This is one of the few occasions where a better option would have been if you could have just poked it with a stick and like seen if you could pull the stick back out 
or if it like grabbed onto the stick or if the stick was burnt off at the end you know that's how they but... used to do it back in the original series days <laughs> before they had I the I thought port. maybe that's where Wesley went was they like Wesley go get the stick what they used get, to do get a space suit on is they used to just get Chekhov as the youngest guy uh, out with a big rope <laughs> and, a, and a bow and arrow and they'd have him stand on the helm of the Enterprise and then fire a bow and arrow or whatever it was at right and then it would cut back to like Spock explaining well in space where there is no friction the arrow that he's fired will just continue on that trajectory forever and that's why we've attached the rope to it so that when it hits the thing and the thing goes ow pull it back in we see if we made it bleed and if we did shoot it <laughs> you know what we're not a fucking science vessel <laughs> you know whenever it, whenever a problem looks like a nail every tool is a hammer <laughs> is Hawkeye the only Avenger who gets deadlier in space uh, like like, yeah, like those arrows become much more deadly weapons when they don't slow down or no. dip <laughs> the thing about Hawkeye is that Hawkeye has spent his entire life Hawkeye's actual skill isn't being able to shoot a bow and arrow it's being able to shoot a bow and arrow well in earth conditions so with things like <laughs> drop and gravity and like literally the curvature of the earth might come into it if you're firing from high enough up on a building you put Hawkeye in space guy's not going to know what the fuck is going on can't breathe for a start that's problem number A I reckon because he can do like the quarter around the corner and stuff he can do like other things so I reckon he'd, I reckon he'd be thrown off his game at first right but but I reckon like you give him like 10, 20 arrows, he'll adjust. Do the you one problem is he won't be able to get those arrows back. They're just gone. There is <laughs> but then Nick Fury, right, he's sitting there in his in his office at Shield Command in the Triskelion yeah. and uh, gets the gets the sudden gets the Galactus alarm. I know who we'll send. First line of defence, Hawkeye. Hawkeye in an astronaut outfit with just an yeah. oversized bow and arrow. To, to make up for the big gloves that he'd have to wear. Work your way up, though. And they're not even... He doesn't even start with trick arrows. He starts with an arrow, sees what damage yeah. that does. Then yeah. he fires the goo one. Has any... Like, a genuine question. Has anybody ever tried just firing a wooden arrow at Galactus? I'm not saying it, I'm not saying it would definitely work, but I'm just saying it's worth checking. Because maybe... Galactus has just never considered the need to successfully armour himself against a stick. <laughs> well, that's what the science vessel's for, isn't it? Yeah. They go to where that hole is, and they just fire different materials at it. <laughs> Until eventually, what was it, Neva, Neverline? Eventually just gets sick of it. Yeah. Nagula. It's like, because that's like, look, if you, if you work in a laboratory with spiders... Eventually, you're going to get bitten. You're not going to get powers. And then you're on borrowed time for how many times can I be bitten by a spider for what the scientists make these days? 35 grand a year? I don't know. Like, you're going to have to weigh that up. You know what I mean? Eventually, maybe that's why people transfer to the to the Enterprise because they're so sick of going on science vessels and doing the Chekhov manoeuvre of standing on the helm, firing <laughs> things with a bow and arrow at big space heads. Yeah, it's a real wonder that, that red shots are the ones that die the most. 
you would suspect it would be blue shirts doing shit like that. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Speaking of blue shirts, fucking Pulaski. With her, I have to accept that data you are alive because it's written in your personnel file. Yeah. Go fuck yourself, Pulaski. Are you... And, but also, but equally, also fuck literally everybody else on the bridge who doesn't, like, have data's back. Yeah. It's like, no, we're not just playing along. Data is a living being. Yeah, we hang out. Yeah. In 10 formal. <laughs> he drinks sometimes. Yeah. Do fucking... you... I... I don't know if this was an off-the-cuff remark from you last week, or if you actually knew something about this, but is Pulaski based on Bones? Is she supposed yeah. to be Bones? Yeah, it's just Bones reskinned. Yeah, because and I was they, saying... They, they just they transferred the racism from Spock yeah. to Data. Yeah. I was talking to Laura about this. I was like, the, the thing is, I can somewhat understand why they did this, because the Bones-Spock-Kirk triumvirate obviously works. And it, it worked for decades. But yeah. The problem is that you can't have a character if she had been there from day one. Yeah. And maybe the whole situation with data would have worked. But no, she's coming onto a ship that's famous. The fucking flagship of the Federation. And it's well known for having an Android guy on it. Despite the fact that seemingly no one knows that. What how do you feel was how do you feel about androids? not a big part of that interview <laughs> how do you feel about the basic rules of like respect to all beings that we live by in this federation society yeah yeah it's how, how do you how do you feel about seeking out new life and new civilizations oh <laughs> don't know about that mate <laughs> that's my least favourite bit yeah not that bothered yeah I just like the holodeck to be honest I like watching Worf exercise, killing all the killing all them Italians. <laughs> later on, there's a bit where she's like, "Oh, we're gonna uh, like they they essentially this uh, later on they decide to blow up the ship because they're like because the the evil space there's a giant space head in this episode turns up and he's like, "Oh, I've killed one of you. See what that's like." And then this is weird. He reckons that he'd learn everything he needs to know about death by killing a third to a half of the crew. Is he going to run through every death? What's the size of the crew? It's a couple of thousand, I think. Right, the first one you're going to do is crucifixion. Yeah, that's what I was going right, to say. That's I a feel so one. sorry for the fucking poor bastard who gets crucified. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just. And then, you, and then you're going to do what happens if you just put them in space? <laughs> yeah. And then you're going to do what happens if we put them in the same tank as the dolphin? But we tell the dolphin that this guy is who his wife cheated on him with. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put forward that like if you get a, a properly motivated Jason Voorhees, he could come up with a different kill for every single person on board the Enterprise. Yeah, like the like the guy has the, one that, job. Yeah, <laughs> that franchise alone has provided like like what's he doing? Like how's he differentiating? Is he like stabbed with a machete? Is that one death or is it like stabbed with a machete through the heart? Stabbed with a machete through the leg and slowly bleeding to death. Stabbed with a machete through the head. Being beheaded. Like, what's his breakdown? Put them in an oven. Put them in a slow cooker. Because, as we all know, there are, uh, there are a million ways to die just in the West. Yeah. And that's only one of three cardinal directions. So there's at least four million ways to die. Um, and Agreed. Yeah. I just don't think he's fought his research through. No. Nah. Um, okay. On saying that, sorry, go on. 
I've got, I have a question. You're O'Brien. Right. You're stuck in a void of nothing. Yep. You know that's going on. You've been brought up to speed. Yeah. You get two people to beam over to what you've been told is the Enterprise's sister ship, um, Worf and Riker. You beam them over, and then almost immediately from them being beamed over, you're being told to beam them back, but you can't get a lock on them. Right? Yeah. This is what this is what's happening from O'Brien's perspective. Right, because what's happening from their perspective? They've beamed in, like they're opening doors. Doors lead to the wrong way. They're coming in, like the 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 door they're leaving through brings them back into the room that they're in, and all sorts of mental shit like that. And then they get beamed. You beam them. You're O'Brien. You beam them back successfully. Right? Wouldn't you ask at least like, how was it? <laughs> <laughs> Whereas O'Brien says nothing, and they just breeze past him. I, I would have expected like a friendly. Because in my opinion, like O'Brien's the doorman of the Enterprise. Yeah. Right. He should be on like friendly, first name terms with people, and like have a little bit of banter with them as they're coming in. That's why they get the guy with the crack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, just nothing. Just like lads. I was wondering if you were going to go. O'Brien beams them across, and then immediately is told to beam them back. Is there anything that goes through Chief O'Brien's head? But he's like, oh, have I fucked this up? <laughs> no. Because here's the thing, he right? See, doing. even if he had that, I don't think he would feel that guilty about it. Because, yeah, he is transporter chief, transporter room chief O'Brien, right? But that's not what he does all day. Miles O'Brien is absolutely like essential to the running of the Enterprise. He fixes everything. So, yeah. transporter chief is just what he does as a hobby. I imagine, I imagine that guy thinks that his job is secure forever. Like, that guy... O'Brien could kill Picard by accident and keep his job. His job as transport chief cannot possibly... Actually, you're right. It cannot possibly be to be in that room no. all day transporting people. Because, like, you can't transport a warp. Yeah. So anytime they're going anywhere, is he just stood there... Has he got, like, a book? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> He's like those people that you see in art galleries... Well, they like they—they're obvious. What is what are those people's jobs? Because I imagine a part of that job would be if someone comes up to you and asks about a painting, you have to have at least the base level of knowledge to tell them something that isn't already on the plaque. Yeah, but they, seemingly they just come in and they just sit on a little stool and read a book. I would imagine that security for a museum, like security for a museum has to be done out of a passion for history. Yeah. Be- because I'm just working on the thing that you, you're probably not being paid a great deal more than like somebody who's doing security at a warehouse. Yeah. But if one of the things... You, if somebody breaks into the warehouse where you're doing security and nicks everything from the warehouse, oh, no, that's bad. But, like... But if somebody on your watch nicks the fucking Mona Lisa, you're in the newspapers the next day. Yeah. So, like, that extra bump in pay is not worth the extra downside. So I've got to assume it's, like, from a passion mm. thing. Like, like it's like how Stephen Grant works in the gift shop, but it's because he's passionate about Egyptology. Yeah. Uh, and it's never been established when he got a job, despite the fact that his personality only emerged two months. Uh, I've got questions about Moon Knight, but I'm not going to get into it now. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I can't like I'm, I'm, I'm like is 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 O'Brien's like passion just transporters? 
I think it might be because he has the first guy. Something that I don't know if we brought this up last week, but he is using the transporter correctly. Um, apparently, in the original series, there was a very specific way that you use the transporter console, which is like a three-finger swipe down to energize. And yeah. O'Brien is the first guy in the next generation to do that consistently. <laughs> See, I, I love that because I re- so I recently read a uh, um, read a, uh, an article about how the crew of um, the cast of the new Star Trek series Strange New Worlds, which looks like it's the first bit of new Star Trek that doesn't look actually wank. Yeah, um, uh, they um, have, they are all doing. Uh, they got the idea from Galaxy Quest to go back and rewatch classic Trek and work out what the hand movements were yeah. for various things to make sure it lines up. And that's that's it. See, and that's why I, I'm okay with Strange New Worlds because unlike Picard, it seems it's being made by people who've actually watched Star Trek. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> uh, all of the doctors know how their TARDIS works as well. Yeah, 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 it's I one of the that's... things that you just have to come up with when you get that part. Yeah, yeah, You've, and that's why everyone gets a new TARDIS, so that you can you're so you're not conflicting with what the previous guy did. Do you think that Tennant figured out because Tennant has the same TARDIS as Eccleston? Do you think that oh. Tennant figured that out and Eccleston didn't bother? <laughs> yes, yes, I do. Yeah, <laughs> which is weird because Eccleston, being from a very working class northern background undoubtedly has like parents and uncles and things who worked in factories who would have sat him down and said the most important thing at this job is to figure out how to do it and how to do it safely yeah and he's just like fuck that I'm not, I'm not even like bother there's a, there's a faucet on this I, I don't give a shit what that does uh, I saw a wonderful um, little bit of clip from a Doctor Who convention recently where somebody asked Colin Baker no, Peter Davidson, somebody asked him, what's the best gift you've ever been given by a Doctor Who fan? To which he replied, a granddaughter. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's quite nice, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I remember reading an article years ago, and I mean, it was from when he must have just gotten the job, and I know it because and it, was an, it was an issue of SFX, and it was the same issue where they said, Heath Ledger has been announced as the Joker and they drew like a really crude cartoon of his breakout mountain character but just with a giant creepy smile on it <laughs> and David Tennant talked about how oh, he got the job and maybe he was in his second year or something but he was like sitting near Peter Davidson at a, a theatre um, and he couldn't bring himself to go and say hello to him because he was like such a huge fan and now that guy's like his father-in-law <laughs> At least that guy went about it the right way, do you know what I mean? Because, like, Nicolas yeah. Cage was just like, I'm such a huge Elvis fan, I'm going to marry his daughter. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it must be... It must be it must be nice to find out. Like, they should say you should never meet your heroes. But, like, to find out that your hero's an okay enough bloke that he's fine that you fucked his daughter. <laughs> that's top notch. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's a 10 out of 10. And, and and also definitely got paid more than him for the same gig. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that Geordie likes coming to the bridge? I don't care if Geordie likes coming to the bridge. I don't think Geordie should be allowed on the bridge. Why? When a giant space editor appears on the fucking screen, right, 
the one that has fucking exhibited fucking vast and terrifying cosmic power and sociopathic tendencies. Yeah, don't call it fucking ugly to its fucking face, Geordie. Right? <clears throat> Give it a minute. <laughs> yeah, why did like because because we get the reveal that what's the thing's name again? Uh, oh, Nagelam. Nagelam, right? We get we get the reveal that Nagelam. It says, "Well, I am going to." I'm going to kill half the people on this ship in yeah. a scientific experiment. But then just previous to that, he said, I thought you would have been more comfortable with me because I made myself look like you. And he doesn't. He doesn't look like a person. He's not quite got there. Two eyes and a mouth. So he's definitely going to fuck up the crucifixion. Here's, here's what I think happened with the face, because there's no nose. Aye. There's two eyes and a mouth. And he's saying, I've looked like you. And I reckon he's gone through the database of what a human face looks like. And he's come up with an approximation based on the imagery on board, like the Enterprise. Yeah. Which is an amalgamation of all of the pictures they've got of people. And every time a human face has been used in communication, which is mainly emojis. Yeah. And he's gone somewhere in the middle. And what he has wrought is a sin against nature. Or... He has gone, right, I need to look like these people, but I'll need to access some of their media. Uh, uh, seems like there's a lot here. Right, fuck it. The last the last ten minutes of Harry Potter 4. Uh, whoever's the main guy in that, I'll just look like him. <laughs> um, I will say as well, he, he, he points out that Pulaski's different from the others. He noticed that state is different, and he noticed Pulaski's different. And I was imp- I, uh, Pulaski calls gender a minor difference. Yeah, which is weird given her incredibly strong turf energy uh, that she's been kicking off at Data. I do not respect you, your name, your pronouns. She calls Data it in this yeah. episode because he keeps. She keeps asking him to magnify what's on the view screen, and it's like a hundred times, a thousand times, a million times. And I'm impressed at like the near seemingly fucking infinite magnification that we should be at a point where we're like able to see fucking electrons. Yeah. But it's like, and then she turns around and calls him an it, and says, "Does it not know what to do?" It's like, what, look, how are you not? Okay, th- how are you not reading her, the room? How, how removing her bigotry against fucking android? Not androids. There's only one android. Her bigotry against android from the equation. How have you not? Like, if you put me on a fucking crew, and like, there's this this guy's an android. He's the only one that exists. I would have done fucking 20 seconds of fucking like background research on like what exactly are his capabilities oh he's faster stronger better and smarter than literally anybody else on the crew uh fucking yeah I just yeah I don't I don't like Pulaski and we got to put up with her for a season speaking of the crew so they they arrive in they fly into this uh as as Wesley says uh, a patch of blackness to which I replied in space and <laughs> yeah they arrive yes. inside the patch of blackness they realise quickly that they, they're not going anywhere like they're literally not moving they seem to have a vector but they're not travelling along it uh, they're just basically staying in place and there's no stars and everything outside is black and at no point does anyone suggest telling the rest of the thousands of people on the Enterprise what's happening no, when they first encounter the hole in space, Worf suggests they go to yellow alert, and 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 which is like just to let everyone know. As far as I can tell, yellow alert is basically just to let you all know there is a situation somewhat outside of the norm. Yeah. Please be prepared 
that you might need to rush to your battle stations. Don't worry, like, we've sent Jordy out with a bow and arrow. It'll be fine. Yeah. And and Picard's like, no, why would we go to Yellow Alert? It's like, it's like, what are you worried about, John Luke? Is there a fucking price for changing the bulb over? What the? F- <laughs> and yeah, it's like they should have done that, but yeah, at no point do they. Yeah. The first of the rest of the crew really finds out about what's going on, unless you're like particularly keyed into like the ship moving, or you buy a window. The first you find out anything like this has gone on is like when you're invited to Heskel's memorial service, <laughs> <laughs> or when they decide to key in the self-destruct. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I presume you would be getting those alarms all over the ship. Yeah, that's something we need to talk about. Um, Riker and Picard are going to set off the self-destruct because it's like, well, if half of us are going to die, we don't accept the conditions of that. We're going to blow up the ship, kill us all. Fine. I I can vaguely agree with that as a concept. Rather than waiting around to see if I'm the one who gets chosen to be crucified. (laughs) And then they have a conversation about how long are we going to set this timer for? Yeah. And they decide on 20 minutes, and I just feel that's a deeply unsatisfying answer. You don't want it to be too long. Yeah. But, like, it could take me longer than 20 minutes to decide on what video I'm going to watch before I have a wank. Yeah, do you think the holodeck, like, was it like the booking system for the holodeck, it just immediately filled up? Yeah. And everybody gets two minutes? Yeah. Well, like, I would have, like like I said, uh, I, I, I'd give you enough time to watch your favourite film. Yeah. Like, 20 minutes wouldn't be enough time to get... Like, if you're at the bottom deck of the ship, like, how long is it going to take you to get to the bar? Or, like, quickly record a quick little note in case anybody ever finds the wreckage of this ship telling my wife back on Earth that I love her. You know? <laughs> I feel like there should be more more in place. Yeah. I do... Obviously, I'm very fond of Laura. Um, <laughs> and I feel like if I found out I had 20 minutes to live. The recording that I would make for her would be subpar at best. <laughs> There'd be a lot of grammatical errors in it. There'd be a lot of ad-libbing, which wouldn't help. Yeah. I wouldn't have time to refine it. Yeah, like... And 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 the worst thing is, like, if you are fucking up consistently, like, if somebody knows that you had 20 minutes to live and the message they get is five minutes... Yeah. They're not going to go, oh, we fucked it up a few times and, like, got it wrong. They're going to think you had something that was more important to do for 15 minutes. Yeah. I, for, for example, what Picard needs to do, which is sit quietly alone in his room with his feet up. <laughs> That's how he decides to spend the last 20 minutes of his life. We come in on him just having finished a relaxation light. <laughs> yeah. And then fake Data and fake Troy come in. And they're like, no, we don't want to die. And it's like... Well, well done, mate. You've chosen literally what the one creature on board who doesn't have emotions and the one creature on board whose ability to communicate her emotions is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Like, oh, yeah, we, did, we thought about it. We don't want to die. It's like, that's not how you work, Data. I did enjoy Picard's little speech about what happens after we die. Yeah, I do. I did like it. It's like Data's, data's what is death? And yeah. his, his response, oh, is that all? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because his, his chat is, well, some people believe that we're all part of a sort of universal consciousness and that the idea of life itself is simply 
almost a kind of sort of experiment where life wants to exist and therefore would like to experience every possible facet of life. So over a period of time, it will eventually have done that, and that is kind of the point of our universe, which in a way yeah. is something I, I I sort of subscribe to that as well. Um, and then he says, yeah. but then there's other people who think you just blink out of nothingness. You don't become a super state or anything. You just stop. Yeah. And he's and, and then they ask what Picard thinks. Picard says, "Well, with all the entrance, like I thought Picard was going to get into a real uh, creationist speech with like yeah. how perfect everything is in the universe that you know, and 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 how it all fits together. Like obviously there has to be something a little bit bigger." Yeah, but instead he's kind of like everything in the universe seems to be imbalanced to a degree. Yeah. So for me, the answer must fall somewhere between those two extremes in a more balanced answer, which is like basically a very like nuanced version of agnostic. Yeah. But the uh, but the only problem with it is it's it's a wonderful speech, but when somebody says to somebody in any piece of fiction now, what do you think happens when you die? I immediately think of possibly the greatest piece of television writing which is the two the scene with the two monologues that last about 15 minutes in midnight mass yeah where two characters have this exact conversation and it's literally it it's it's not one of the best bits of tv it's one of the best pieces of writing i've ever encountered yeah i yeah I, i've realized yeah. that midnight mass is one of my favorite things i've ever seen uh, since like I, I think about it every day at least once. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, um, but yeah, I, on my notes, I've just got written down. Picard is delightfully agnostic. Great. She's like, he's like, yeah. For, I don't believe in heaven necessarily, but I've been in space a long time, seen a lot of weird shit. Yeah. I'm, f- I'm friends with Q, who is literally a god. Um, <laughs> right. The whole way through this episode, and especially yes. when we get to the scene that you've just mentioned, where. Uh, first of all, Data—I think it's Data who shows up first, and then Troy, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Right. So Data shows up. What Picard lets him into his room. Data immediately sits down. To which I'm yeah. like, "Well, hold on a minute here. Does the self-destruct sequence mean that all etiquette has to go out the window as well? Why the fuck <laughs> are you walking into your captain's room and immediately sitting down without asking permission?" And then Troy does exactly the same thing, and then they start referring to him as Jean Luc. As soon as that happened, I was like, "This is Q. It's Q that's doing this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, well, the moment they started doing that, that's it's one of those dead giveaways of like it's a bod- what we've referred to as the standard body snatcher test. Yeah, you start exhibiting weird behaviour, you can immediately go, "This isn't them." And it, but then I, I was like, "Well, it can't be Q because they would have had to credit him in the opening credits because the." Uh, the from, from what I understand, the uh, the get the Screen Actors Guild rules on television credits are somewhat stricter uh, than the ones that you do in movies. Like in movies, you can obviously have cameos from people that you weren't expecting to be in it because they don't have to put their name until the end. But yeah. with TV, they do have to put it at the very beginning. Uh, like yeah. the first episode of season five of Angel is immediately spoiled in the opening credits because they've had to add Spike. So we yeah. know that Spike isn't dead. Yeah. It's So I knew And in fairness, they do have him turn up as a ghost, so but um Yeah. Yeah, like it's it's it, yeah, cuz famously obviously they Kevin Spacey didn't want to be credited on 7 because he didn't want it to give away 
who he was. And then famously, years later, a lot of people would want to take Kevin Spacey's name off a number of other projects. Uh, <laughs> although I maintain that Kevin Spacey being a paedophile makes seven better. Because... Uh, <laughs> Right, okay. If you're watching like the usual suspects, there's a lot of Kevin Spacey on screen. Aye. And if he makes your skin crawl now, it's not an enjoyable experience. But when John Doe turns up in seven, he's supposed to make your skin crawl. Yeah. So it actually adds an extra layer to the production, which is good because seven's a great movie that shouldn't be ruined. Yeah. Unlike you. you uh... Don't try and remake it with Batman. Because <laughs> it won't work. One thing I, kn- I did remember from this episode. From like the last when I watched it the first time, is it has the Rikers Rikers when they realise that the guy's set him free because he's like, oh, I thought you're gonna blow yourself up. It's no fun. I'll let you go. Picard says to disable the uh, self destruct, and then Riker has to give his like agreement to do it as well. Yeah, and it goes uh, goes. I do agree absolutely one hundred percent wholeheartedly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> which is a long way of going around it when you've got ten seconds. Here's a question for you. Right? Uh-huh. Genuine question. I've wondered about this for years. If Riker, like you're trying to blow up the ship because your ship might be captured, mm-hmm. what if somebody had killed Riker? Uh, Can they. So, like. I think they've already addressed this, actually. It's, um, it's just whoever the two top ranking guys are at that time. It could potentially be you and I. Oh, right. At one Does point. The tr- is the computer keeping track of that? Like, the, what I want to know is, like, does somebody find out that fucking Haskell's dead? Because they got a little, they got a fucking thing, a little beep on their fucking thing. It's like, you are now 89th in command. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, yeah. It's like the royal family, isn't it? Everybody moves one up when one dies, yeah. Oh. Do you, uh, do you think he, do you reckon Kirk, do you reckon, sorry, not Kirk, do you reckon Picard was bluffing? Uh, no, no, neither do I. <laughs> no, I, I think I, if anything, I think Picard's been waiting for an excuse to use that self-destruct. <laughs> I think it's how he wants to go. I, I, I think at one point that they've travelled forward in time, and he has seen the episodes of Picard that the Enterprise has stored on its computer, and he's like, "I'm not doing that." I, I, I think that that's what he was when he was sat in his room. He's got his feet up. Yeah, he was like, "This is the way I want to go." taking Wesley Crusher with me uh, <laughs> and I, I, I do think it's one of those episodes though at the end though everyone's a bit like hey we solved the solution everything's good and it's all like smiles and quite a happy ending and everyone does a little bit of a laugh and all I'm sitting there thinking is someone's got a sense Heskel's mum a fucking yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. like everything was in the end everything was fine and we all had a good laugh anyway your son will be sorely missed <laughs> wait till we tell you about this it was a patch of blackness in space. <laughs> we sat him in Wesley's chair. We yeah. didn't even have to. Wesley could have been there. Yeah. Nobody would have missed him. No. Nah. <laughs> but I decided to move him away. He's only just got that air cut right. Uh, is, there a, is there a barber on the Enterprise? Is there an actual hairdresser? There must be. It's um, for many years running... Uh, and I actually think still at this point in time, maybe COVID might have changed things, but if you wanted to emigrate to Australia or Canada as a Brit, if you got officially licensed as a barber, it's like straight in. 
Really? Yeah. Like there are. I I I, I don't really know. This this again. This was years ago that I found this out. So I don't know if it is still the case, but it was like every single year they would release the list of jobs that they require that will give you extra points. And barber and nurse were always at the top. Fucking hell. Yeah. I I always I did I I wanted uh, for the, a period. The of... Aussies are so scared that when they go through your hair, they'll just find a spider. <laughs> I for a while did want to move to Australia and then I visited a friend out there and I found out how expensive books are because there's no fucking forests on Australia like there's no like there's not enough like there's not enough timber to make enough paper to like keep the book industry so everything has to be like imported and the nearest like landmass is Japan and it's like it's like well so they're not in English so they have to be imported from fucking like Britain yeah, uh, and it's like I was there. It's like, oh, it's the uh, it's the first Harry Potter book. Oh, well, like this is like eight quid and it's like twenty five dollars. I was yeah. like, oh fuck, 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 living there. Video games are the same. Video games over there have been the equivalent of like a hundred pounds forever, and they're still they're the same on Steam as well, which yeah. is like that's <laughs> just a mistake. But uh, yeah, I I thought this was a good episode. It was oh, a nice Star Trekky. Yeah. Like, there's a problem. Let's watch them work out all of how they go about working it out. Like, oh, that's not a real Romulan ship. How do you know that? We blew up with one torpedo, so it'd be yeah. shit. Yeah. I wish I wish I had more to say about it. Um, yeah. But it, I guess at the start of a season, you, you, you kind of just put a, here's a nice little comfort blanket to get you back into what we're doing. Situation. Yeah, it doesn't... It's not one of those ones, those Star Trek, quite, that raises a big, important like question that we could sit here and have a solid philosophical debate about. It's a bit more of a procedural one. Yeah. How do we solve this problem? Yeah. And they solve it by following logical, rational steps that, that you could probably work out. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I've always said, if you love something, the best way to show that love is to blow yourself up in service of it. I have only one one real key comment I want to bring up about this episode that I do one thing that did baffle me right you're not certain that that ship over there is real so let's beam two people over why wouldn't you make sure at least one of those people is that guy you've got on the bridge who doesn't need to breathe in case it's not there <laughs> yeah <laughs> Is that this is because Laura pointed something out to me that because she's been kind of getting into a bit of Star Trek lore and stuff that this point is the point where Riker splits into two guys. Is that true? Um, it becomes another dude. I don't. I don't. I don't remember the episode clearly enough. Yeah, but I do recommend. I do, as I recall, it has something to do. I don't know if it's this episode, but it does have something to do with the Enterprise's sister ship, I think. But yeah. like I like I say, I haven't watched TNG since it originally aired, yeah. except for a few choice episodes here and there, so I could be completely wrong. But um, the thing is, what's throwing me off is that when secondary Riker turns up, he does have a full beard. Yeah. So I'm thinking it must be after this point, but then equally, he's been like trapped in the bowels of like a crashed ship for like seven years, so of course he'd have a beard. Yeah. Because as we know, there's there's not enough barbers on the Enterprise. <laughs> no, constantly calling out for them. And the they'll give you a, they'll give you a full so. rank. You can be ensign barber. 
Right, well, my dog is going mental, so uh, I need to go beam her out into space uh, to get her shut up, by which I mean let her outdoors. Thanks, so, <laughs> Right. All right, man. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Bye. Bye. The Captain Slog is performed by Mark O'Neill and Eddie Edwards. You can follow both of them on Twitter and Instagram. Mark's at RealMarkO'Neill and Eddie is at Ed Edwards Comedy. If you like the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter and now on YouTube at Captain Slog. And we have a Facebook page as well. Or if you really like what we do here, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Captain Slog.